Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service with Pastor Mondo Luna. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 16, I want to minister a message that I've entitled today, Manna for My Journey. How many know that the Christian life, or I should say life in general, is a journey? It really is, man. It's a journey of, of wilderness experiences, the mountaintop experiences, the valleys, the, all the different type of experiences, the, the setbacks, right? Anybody here have any setbacks? And then the comebacks, right? I mean, that's, that's part of the Christian life. That's part of life in general. We all have these different seasons that we go through. Some of you in that mountaintop season right now, man, things are going good. You have money in your bank account. Can I hear an amen? Everything is good, right? Job is good. Wife, husband not driving you crazy. Kids are doing well, and uh, you're in that mountaintop experience. Others of, of you are in the valley. It's a tough time. Finances are hard to come by. Relationships are not that well. I mean, just it's it just different seasons that we're in, and, and I think as we serve God throughout this lifetime, these different seasons that we go through, it's important to understand that no matter what season we are in, God is in it there with us. This is so important. I think sometimes we forget that because it's real easy to proclaim God's promises when you're doing well, when things are going well. It's so easy to say, yes, God's for us and not against us. God's good and all things are going well. But then when you're going through the tough time, can you still proclaim that? The thing is, God hasn't changed. God hasn't moved. God is still with us in it. God is still there. He's right by your side. He's walking with you in it. But though you don't feel it, it doesn't mean God's not there. And I believe that for every step and for every part of the journey, there's always fresh manna available. And I'm going to talk about that. I'll, I'll, I'll break that down here in a moment. The Hebrew word for manna literally means, what is it? That's what manna is. When you hear the word manna, it's like, what is it? And I would venture to say we have all had some manna before in our life, right? You ever sat at a dinner table with somebody, got invited over, and you look at the food and go, what is this, right? That's manna. You're saying manna. What is this? Uh, years back, uh, a couple of pastors, friends of mine, we went into, uh, went to the, uh, the Philippines. Actually, we're in Ghana, Africa, and then we went to Ethiopia. We did a conference there uh, with Pastor Billy Hall, and he took us out to eat after, and they brought the platter of food out. And uh, the food was uh, raw meat. Now, I like meat, but I like it on the grill. I like it cooked, right? I, I like carne asada, but it's got to be cooked. I like chicken, but it's got to be cooked, right? So they brought the raw meat out, and it was kind of a custom, and this is the tradition. And uh, the first thing I said was, what is this, right? What is it? I said, manna, what is this? And, and part of the custom is they have to feed you. So uh, Pastor Billy Hall grabbed the food, and he's put it in people's mouths, and he, it came to my turn, and I don't, some of you know here, I had a kidney transplant years back. I'm doing well. I cannot afford to get sick, right? So when it came to my turn to put it in my mouth, I was like, bro, I'm good, man. I'm good. You can keep the food. I'm not eating it. Unless we throw that on the grill, I'm not touching it, right? Now, I take it back. I might have had a little taste because I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, but we have all had those moments where we say, what is this? What is going on here? You ever had those question moments where in your life you go, man, God, what is God doing in my life? 
why this? Why did this happen? Why? We, we've all had those questions that have filled our thoughts and our minds and our emotions about what is God up to? What is God doing? Now, I want you to stay with me here before we get into the scripture. In Exodus chapter 16, two million Israelites were rescued from the cruel hand of Pharaoh from a life of slavery. Now, God used Moses. We know the story. God used Moses to take them out, and through powerful signs and wonders, God did that. And, of course, you know, here was the most powerful man at that time, Pharaoh, and Moses, who had a stuttering problem or had a speech impairment, stood up before Pharaoh, of course, declared God's promises, and they were taken out. Now, as they exited Egypt, we all know the story. What a journey that it should have taken only three weeks took 40 years. It took 40 years to get there. And as I thought about that concept and what really took place, and we know all that kind of went into that, they rebelled and they're complaining and their attitudes and all this and that, I realized this, God was more concerned, listen, God is more concerned about the purpose than the destination. You see, we're the type of people today that we're so quick, we want it right now. We want the answer now. We want what God has promised right now. We want everything at our fingertips right now. Instead of understanding that God takes us through these wilderness and journey experiences so that he can prepare our hearts for when he does bless us, we can retain it. Some of us want the blessing so quickly, but then you get it and you squander, you lose it. And so God was more concerned about the purpose behind what he was doing than just getting them there to the promised land. Because God's purpose for our life is greater than just a piece of land. Can I hear an amen? You see, he wanted to give them a changed heart. He wanted to uh, uh, teach them to rely on me. I'm God. I want you to rely on me. I, I want to provide for you. I want to build character in your lives. And how many know character building is not easy? Can I get a witness to that? You know, character and, and integrity it, it takes time to establish that in your life because you learn that through trial and error. Every time you make a mistake, you, you should be learning from those mistakes. So stay with me this morning. There was a process of building in their lives. And so instead of taking them from Egypt to the promised land, which should have taken three weeks, he takes them southeast through the coastal route, right, through the Red Sea. And we know the story. The Red Sea opened up, took them through. And it was passing that and going through that that God began to meet with them and deal with them. And, and I truly believe this. And it was the more difficult road. I believe that God's plans for our lives is not always the easy route. I, I really do. I believe the destiny and the purpose in which God is taking us and where God is leading us is going to be a challenging road. Can I get a witness? Come on, man, if you're honest with yourself and you be honest with those around you that what you've been through in your life has been tough, but God has shaped you through that. God has built some character in your life. God has built some patience and some integrity. Come on, I'm not, I thank God I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not where I want to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm, the, I'm a different man today. You're a different man, different woman today. It's because God wants to work on our hearts, develop our character, work on our integrity through this journey, and there's always fresh manna for that process. Can I get an amen? So let's look now. If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 16, we're going to start at verse 11. Because the Lord often leads us according to the needs of our heart, not always to the desires. And the good news is there's always fresh manna. Listen, fresh manna of God's wisdom, God's favor, God's mercy, God's goodness, God's forgiveness, whatever you need, it's there. 
Whatever you need. That's why he says, I am the I am. I am the great I am. I am what you need. I have everything you need. It's at your disposal. No matter what season you are in, God says, I'm here for you. Exodus chapter 16, verse 11. So let's, let me kind of paraphrase what's happening here. So Israel gets out. They get through the Red Sea. Now they're in the wilderness. And while they're in the wilderness, they start to complain about their food situation. Has anybody ever complained about your food situation? Some of you do that every Sunday when you go out to eat, man. You complain about the food, man. I don't like it. It's too hot. It's too cold. Not enough cheese. Not Whatever, right? You complain about your food. Now, let me say this. If you're eating with me, let me get my food first, and then you can complain, right? And then you can make all the fuss you want. They're complaining about their food situation. They're basically saying, we're not getting any meat. We're not getting, we're just, there's not enough food out here. Now watch this, verse number 11 of of chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want, then you will know I am the Lord your God. For all you health fanatics, there's protein and carbs, right? God says, I'll take care of your protein, and I'll take care of your carbs, right? For those on the keto diet, don't get offended. That's just the way it was. And verse 13, that evening, vast number of quail flew in and covered the camp. The next morning, the area around the camp was, was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frosted blanket, as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled. And when they saw it, they said, manna, what is this? What is it? They asked each other, we have no idea what this is. And Moses told them, it is food the Lord has given you to eat. What I thought is funny here is Moses didn't even know what it was. He's like, you know what, just eat it, man. God made it, brought it down, just eat it. He had no clue what it was. He said, just eat it. Verse 16. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some gathered a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Everybody say enough. And those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. As I read this, and, and I want to talk about fresh manna for, for our church and for God's people today, I want you to think about some things with me today. The first thing I want to look at, listen, God will always do his part. We have to do ours. And I'm going to break this down here. In verse 16, the Lord said, I, I'm going to, I heard the complaints. I'm going to send them some meat. I'm going to send the quail, and I'm going to send them the bread they want because I want them to know I am the Lord, their God. In other words, I am going to do my part. I'm going to make sure that every day they have meat and they have bread. I'm going to make sure that they're provided for. All they have to do is their part. And here's the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs, pick up two quarts for each person in their tent. Now, let me ask you this question. Who do you think had the tougher job? Who do you think had the tougher responsibility? God who says, I am going to provide food for them for the next 40 years. I'm going to bring meat and I'm going to be bread. I am going to make sure there is provision for every person for the next 40 years. Or the Israelites' responsibility was just to get up, basically go out, get it, and cook it. Who had the bigger responsibility? It was God. I mean, think about it. You guys ever throw a potluck here? And how hard is it, man, to throw a potluck for a couple hundred people, right? Or you have a barbecue at your house and you run out of 
something to drink. I, whenever I have some people over, we always run out of food, man. You got to make a run to get chips and drinks, right? We can barely have a few people over without being in need, man. We got to make another run. God promises I will feed you for 40 years, day and night. I will make sure every day there's provision. Now stay with me. There is provision for you. Let me, let me break it down what this would look like so we understand. To feed 2 million people a day, one commentary put this estimate together. The people needed 2,000, 4 million pounds of food each day. To bring that much food each day would require three freight trains each a mile long. In the desert, they needed firewood to cook and keep warm. Each day, this would take 4,000 tons, 8 million pounds of wood, and a few more freight trains each a mile long. Are you guys getting the picture here? Come on, stay with me. They needed water. If they only had enough water to drink and wash a few dishes, it would take a 11 million gallons each day and a freight train with tank cars 1,800 miles long to take care of the people. And God did it for 40 years, every day. You still think God can't meet your need? You still think God can't come through for you? Come on, man, we serve a big God. Can I get an amen? We serve a God who, listen, who is faithful to his people, who if he says, I will provide, I am the God, I am Jehovah Jireh, I am your provider. Look at your neighbor and say, God always provides. Come on, tell him. God always comes through. God always meets the need. God always, when he says it, he does it. It may not, maybe it hasn't happened yet, but you can mark this down. If God promised you it, it's going to happen. And so God says, listen, I'm going to do my part. I will make sure for the next 40 years there is food for them, there is water for them, they are taken care of. All they have to do is their part. Jesus said, give us our daily bread, right? He says, so God's people would have that provision. David said, I was young, now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. Man, I've been with, David said, I've been with God all my life. And as a young man and as an older man now, I have never seen God forsake his people. He takes care of his people. He loves his people. He provides. He is a good, good father, right? Come on. But they still had to do their part. I'm going somewhere with this. The Lord said, listen, I'll do my part. Here's all what they have to do. They just got to go out and pick it up. It's like parents saying, listen, here, here's what the kids are going to do. I'm going to go out and buy the food. I'm going to cook it. I'm going to set the table. All you have to do is come out and eat. Right? How many have kids you still do that for them, right? Still, they, they, all they, they're like, where's dinner at, mom? Where's dinner? They just want to eat. God is saying, I'll take care of the hard part. I just need them to go out and do their part. They still had to get up. Everybody say get up. They had to go outside. They had to, you don't have to say that. They had to collect, they had to collect what was out there and they had to cook it, right, for their families. They still had to do their part. The Lord was not magically going to feed it to them. Some of us Christians, we think we just got to kick back and let God do all the work, man. God said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. I will do my part. What are you going to do? I will make the provision. I will provide the opportunity, but you got to put the work in. Now oh, it's getting quiet now. All right, come on, stay with me. Even James said, faith without works is dead. 
You can tell me all day long how much you believe in God, but your life and conduct and action tells the truth. Right? You can say all day long, I believe in God and I love God, and we can sing, oh, God, we're not slaves any longer. And then your life proves it, either discounts it or proves it. Because think about this concept. Without these actions, how do we display to the world what we really believe? So I'll give you some examples here. You can say, I believe in the promises of God, but if you don't open your Bible to read the word, how in the world do you know what the promises are? Right? How could you ever declare the promise of God for your life and what God has said if you never open your Bible? And here's the sad thing today. Stats show that most Christians don't even read their Bibles. They just come to church and they hear the word and they go out and all week they don't read their Bibles. How do you know what God has promised you if you don't open your word and read it? All week here, there are different ministries that go on, right? You have youth ministries here. You have Fresh Fire. You have life groups. You have, you know, all kinds of things that go on. You have the college that's going on. How can you really grow if you don't take advantage of those things? So we can say, you know, one of the things as a pastor that I find most frustrating is, and maybe one of you leaders will, will kind of get where I'm going with this. You ever had somebody that you know they need to be in church on Sunday and they don't show up? For whatever reason, I'm not talking about because of work or something that emergency. I'm talking, they just don't show up. And then that night, you get a call. And they want to talk. And they need counseling. They need prayer. And you're like, where were you today? How come you didn't come to church? How come you weren't, oh, I couldn't make it. I had grocery shopping. I had laundry to do. But I need your attention now. Why do you think the church is here? You see, we will do our part. God will do his part. You got to do your part. Does that make sense? You can't always blame God for the decisions that you make. Lord, get me out of debt. I'm in debt. But then you use that, that credit card like, man, there's a time limit on it, right? You swipe that thing every day like, I just, it's going to expire soon. I got to use it up, right? And they're like, God, get me out of debt. You can't blame God for that. God says, listen, I'll do my part, man. I'm here for you. I'll provide. I'll make sure the opportunities that you need are there. I'll make sure the relationships you need are there. I'll make sure that everything you need, you have it taken care of. But you still have to do your part. And I believe that there's many of us here that we know what our part should be. There should be times when we're spending with God in prayer, opening up the word, getting time alone with God. There's responsibilities that we know we should be doing. We cannot blame it all on God. God says, they won't be able to blame this on more because I'm going to provide for them, but they got to do their part. The second thing here is verse number 18. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough, and those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. But each family had just what they needed. Everybody say this, as much as they needed. The second thing, and this is so important, church. I want you to hear this. This is so important. You have to make the most of what you have. Can I get an amen? Some of us, it's just, it sounds so simple, but it's the truth. You have to make the most of what you have. What's interesting here is the Lord said, you can take enough for the day, but you cannot keep it overnight. He says, take, go out, pick up everything you need, get the, 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 the flakes, get all the, the manna, get what you want, make it. But by the end of the night, it's all got to be consumed. You cannot save anything for the next day. If you try to save something for the next day, the next morning when you get up, it's going to be filled with maggots and it's going to stink. He said the only time you're able to do that is on Friday. 
observing the Sabbath day. So on Friday, take enough for two days. Isn't that amazing that God, so like if they took, they took it on Friday for two days, it was good. But on the other days, only one day it would work. God, listen, you know what tells me? God is involved in the details of our lives. God is involved in the details of all of our, you might not think, you think he's somewhere out there. He is intimately involved in every detail and aspect of our lives. He says for one, on Friday, you could take it for two days and every other day of the week, one day alone. Now, of course, you know, there's always people that, that don't listen very well and they try to do it and keep it over. Like, oh man, you know what? Maybe God ain't going to come through, man. We better keep a little bit extra over. Come on, any, any pack rats in here, man? You store everything, right? Come on. Your garage is full of stuff that you've been holding since 1970, man. Like, I'm going to use that one day. I know it's going to come back. I'm going to use it, and you won't give it away. You're going to hold on to it, and you just you try to collect everything. God says you cannot collect it. You get it. You eat it. The next day, I'll keep my word and do my part. He was teaching them trust. He was teaching them to trust them. God saying, I got this. You just got to trust me. And there were always people that said, I, I, I don't know if I can do that. And so I'm going to keep a little extra over. And they would keep it. And all of a sudden, you would have this big stench over the camp. And Moses would come out like, what are you guys doing? Because God was teaching them something. The nourishment of their bodies and souls. But God says, listen, I'm going to make sure that I do my part. But you have to make the most of what you got. You have to make the most. You might say right now, pastor, I don't have a whole lot. Well, what do you have? You know, and I love what T.D. Jake says. He says this. He says, the miracle is always in what's left over. God will always take the little that you have. If you offer it to him, it's just like the kid with the five loaves and the two fish. They're like, we got to send these people away, man. we got 5,000 people here. How are we going to feed them? Jesus said, well, what do you got? You feed them. He goes, what we got is this kid, man. He brought his sack lunch. He's got like two fish and five loaves. He goes, that's all we need. We will make the most of this. And what did they do? They blessed it, broke it, and and fed the 5,000. Because the miracle is always in what's left. God would say today to this church, to our hearts, listen, you may not have a lot, but what are you using? What do you have? And whatever you have, begin to put that into use. And as you put that into use, God brings increase. That's why he says, be faithful in the little, and I'll make you rule over much. We can't complain about not having more when we're not even faithful with the little that God has given us. Be responsible with the little. Take what God has given you. Stop comparing yourself to what somebody else has. And I talked about that this morning in the first service, that a lot of us here, all we do is compare ourselves to what somebody else is doing. Social media has just destroyed so many uh, relationships and has caused so, especially in young people, just a heavy weight of anxiety and depression because young people look on social media and they say, how come my life is not like that? Right? Causing even people to commit suicide because they look and go, man, they have the good life and my life is miserable. Don't ever believe all that you see on social media. A few, few months back, I had this bad eye infection, man, and I shared it in the first service. Man, I was down for two months, lost vision in my left eye. It was bad. But during that time, I was still posting on social media. So you would look go, man, Pastor Mono's got it good, man. I was dying, and I was posting, man. So don't, don't be deceived by the look on, on the screen, man. There's always a story behind it. The key is to be thankful for what you have and put to use what you have, Right? You, you know there were some guys looking, going, man, they're taking more than they should be getting. How come they took so much and we're taking this little? It's because they have a bigger family. Stay with you. It'll, it'll register. 
God has given to those five talents, two talents, and one talent. God has distributed those talents and giftings. Not everybody has the same. Our responsibility is to be faithful for whatever level of responsibility God has given us. Amen? Our responsibility is to take what God has given us and be faithful with it. Look at verse number 18. But when you measure it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. Those who gathered only a little had, had enough. Each family had just what they needed. I believe as God's people, listen, as God's people, we have to make the most of every opportunity that we have. Stop worrying so much about everybody else and what they're doing and what God has called them to do. Peter tried to do that with John when Jesus was talking about going to the cross. And Peter's like, well, what's going to happen to John? Well, how come he's, is he going to die too? Like, Jesus like, don't worry about John. <laughs> All right, Peter wanted to make sure he was going to get the ax too. He's like, don't worry about John. If I want him to stay alive, he'll stay alive. What are you worried about that for? You focus on what I called you to do. And that's some tough preaching, huh? Because we, we always want to focus on everybody else's ministry in life. God said, you just do what I called you to do. You be faithful. You give. You serve. You love. You help. You do what I've given you to do. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You do what I've called you to do. Be faithful what I have given you, man. Be grateful. Come on. Right? Be grateful and thankful for what you have and put it to use. If God's called you to be a small group leader, man, be the best small group leader you can be. If God's called you to be a worship leader, an usher, work in a parking lot, whatever it is, man, do your best. Paul said in Romans, uh, Colossians 3.23, do everything, everything you do. Do it as unto the Lord. Come on, man. If, if you're a plumber, be the best plumber you can be. You're a janitor, be the best janitor you can be. Whatever you've been called to do, man, do it with all of your heart. Make the most of that opportunity because that's what God wants for you. And, and, and listen, that's what they did. They went out, and God says, I need you to make the most. Don't keep anything left over. Spend it all, and I'll provide the next day for you. And the last thing I want to look at here is this. God's manna always satisfies. God's manna always satisfies. So, so I want you to keep this picture in mind. They're in, they're in Egypt, or actually they're out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. God says, I will do my part. I'll provide for you. I, I will make a way for you. I'm, I'm always going to be there. And listen, if, you, if you've been serving the Lord for many years, you know that God has always provided. He's always made a way, right? How many of you have ever had those experiences where you thought, man, this, this time it's over. This time it's, it's just it's not going to, I can't see a way out. And God somehow, he works it out, right, makes a way. He says, I will do my part. You got to do yours. You got to get up, get the food. You got to get them, get to work. I heard people say before, I, you know, I, I, I got to get back into shape, man. I got to get, I got to start exercising. I'm like, hey, you go to the gym? No. You've been eating right? No. Then you're not ready to get back in shape. That's just, you know what I'm saying? So you got to do your part. If you say it, you got to do it. God says, you do your part, I'll do my part. We'll, we'll work there. Then when you got what I've given you, make the most of it. Don't compare yourself. Don't, don't, don't look and say, well, you do what I have called you to do. You make sure you take, don't worry about what the other family's getting. You get enough for your family. You cook it, you spend it, you consume it. And then the next day, I'll bring more, okay? You focus on your family, right? You take care of that, and I'll move, and I'll bless. You guys with me so far? And in that process, I will make sure not only are you provided for, but that you're also fulfilled. How many know in this life the only thing that can fulfill is God, right? He's the only one that can fulfill every need, every desire, because that's the way he created us. 
And this story right here I'm going to look at real quick here in John chapter 6, verse 29 and 35 is a perfect example of that. Look verse 29 of John chapter 6, verse 29 to 35. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, well, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Look at verse 32, and I love this. And if you're not reading it carefully, you can miss this. Look what he says. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. I love what Jesus says. He sets him straight. He says, listen, Moses didn't provide for you. My father did. Here, here's the struggle we all battle with. Because God uses people and God uses our pastors, our leaders, our friends. God even uses you. It can be real easy to think that the person is the source. They're really not. They're a channel in which God flows through to meet the need. But they are not the source of the need. Can I get an amen? That's the mentality that they were, they were trying to get Jesus to do a miracle. They, they weren't really even cared about it. They just wanted some bread. They were like, hey, can you make some bread like you did last time? That's what they wanted. And so Jesus called them out and says, listen, let me tell you right now. Moses didn't do it. He didn't have the, he didn't have the capacity to do it. And you see this a lot of times in marriages where, you know, I've had many marital counseling sessions. Even me and my wife have been through many marital counseling sessions where the husband or the wife is like, he's not meeting all my needs. Can I tell you something? He's not designed to meet all your needs. Vice versa, she can't meet all your needs. They can't meet all your needs. Here's a, here's a big one. Your pastors, we can't meet all your needs. Right? Come on, can I get a witness there? We can't. It's impossible. We're human like you. All we are is that conduit in which God can flow through us to do what he wants to do. And that's what Moses was. He was a voice. He was an instrument. But the source was God alone. And it's always been God alone. And, and, and I believe the word of God would be here. Listen, I've got you covered. I'll do my part. You do your part, right? You got to get up and do something, right? Let that faith be an act. But at the end of the day, you have to understand the source of your fulfillment in life is from me, the Lord would say. I can meet every need. You need healing? I can meet that need. Are you lonely? I can satisfy that. I can come in and bring peace to your mind and show you how much you're loved. God is the source of every need. Can I get an amen? Come on. We can call the worship team up here. Come on up. So he says, listen, let me tell you the truth here. Moses didn't do it because Moses doesn't have the capacity to do it. I, I read in the beginning that what would it take to feed that many people for two years, you know, uh, you know, two million people for two. It's impossible for one human being to do that. God had to intervene there. And let me say this, in life, there are things that only God can do, man. You have to learn that, understand that. And I believe that's some of the things that God was trying to teach them is that you can't do it. It's impossible. Only I can do it. And in verse number 33, but the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now watch this in verse 34. Sir, they said, give us that bread. Now, now they're not talking about Jesus here. They're saying, give us some of that bread. They're, they're still thinking carnal. They're still thinking, we want some food. Make that bread. We just want to eat. And Jesus said, 
I am the bread. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, now listen, will never grow hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. I will satisfy every need. Every need. You see, just as God provided manna to the Israelites to save them from starvation, he has provided Jesus Christ for the salvation of our souls. The literal manna temporarily saved the Israelites from physical death, while the spiritual manna saves us from eternal death. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes from heaven so that we can live. And so he, he parallels the two. And he says, what you need in life is not more stuff. What you need in life is a relationship with me. And when you have a relationship with me, then you have everything you need in life. You are set, man. You're fulfilled. You don't need to search anymore. You don't need to find it in a relationship anymore. You don't need to look, where can I get the satisfaction? In Christ alone, we have all the needs that we need met. A few months back, uh, Pastor Elijah came and he ministered a message here. And this is, I think it was one of the, the youth and young adult nights. Uh, the cor- was it the Cornerstone? You guys have the Cornerstone? Is that, is that what it is? It was, it was a night service. And, uh, I, and I was still dealing with the eye infection. It was, it was still pretty bad, but I came in and I wore some glasses and uh, was trying to cover my eyes. And I, people barely thought, man, is Pastor Mondo on something, man? No, I just, I just I, the lights, would my eyes would start watering from the light. It was, it was really bad eye infection. And um, so I was sitting here and he was ministering. And he ministered a message, and he said something at the end that just was riveting for me. Now, the exciting thing about this is that's my son, man. I, I mean, just to hear him minister and see what God's doing in his life is just a blessing to me. But he said something at night. He says, you know, you know why whenever we bring in a prophet or we bring in an evangelist, why the church packs out? You ever wonder why, like, if we brought in Rob Sanchez, man, this place will be packed to the grills. And, or, you know, maybe like a Kelly Lorkey, this place will be just, everybody wants to hear from these guys or these prophetic guys that come in, uh, or Mest, Pastor Mike Mestis. They, they got these prophetic giftings, right? And so people come in because they want a word. That's, that's most, most people want to get a word from God. They want to get that prophetic word that maybe they, they're going through something and they just need that word to help them through. And my son said this, which I thought was so profound. He said, you know what I realize is that God wants to speak to each and every person individually. But we would rather come to one service, not put any work in, not do any, just, just to get that word and go back to our lives. Instead of getting on our knees before God, getting that fresh daily manna from him, and letting him give us a word directly. Amen. See, it's so much easier just to try to get it from somebody else instead of us getting on our faces before God and say, God, you speak to me. You give me that word. And I believe there's anything I can say about this message here is that that fresh manna and whatever it is that you need in your life, that it's found in God alone. All you have to do is get before him and say, Lord, this is what I need. This is what I'm searching for. Can you help me, God? And God will help you because, listen, he always keeps his promises. He always meets the need. Amen. He always fulfills. Amen. He said, man, you, you eat the bread out there, you'll keep hungering and thirsty. But you come to me, you'll never hunger, never thirst again. And I got to tell you, 29 years I've been serving the Lord, I'm fulfilled, man. I'm fulfilled. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. I love my church and my church family and being here at home and pastor and sister Letty. I love my pastors. I love my friends. But my identity is in Christ alone. God forbid all that went away. 
it'd still be me and God. Job, Job knew that for sure, right? Job lost it all, man, and he's venting, man. He's like, man, I just wish I was never born. And, you know, if you read the, the Job story, man, it was rough. I feel sorry for him as I read it. But he realized, he says, even though he slayed me, I still trust him. All the days of my appointed life, no matter how difficult it is, I'm going to wait until my change comes. Because I know my God, man. I know him. I have relationship with him. He's the source of life for me. It's not the temporal manna. It's the spiritual manna that keeps me going every day. Come on, man. It's God working in my life. I trust him. I know him. He's never let me down. And he never will. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.